Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Good afternoon and welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. This is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician, your beloved host. Before I talk about today's episode, I want to take a moment to thank you, everyone who's listened to the podcast, everyone who gave me a voice, because believe it or not, we clocked 1,000 plus downloads this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to say big ups to everyone who's touching base with the reality of the fact that the world is hard. There's depression. There is suicide. Everyone is not happy. Everyone you're looking at does not, is not what they look like. Stop judging. Start listening. Start paying attention. Be kind. Be compassionate. And download this podcast, right? So, with that brief intro, we're going to talk about a little, we're going to take a step back to talk about today's guest. She is a hoot. I'm just going to come out and say it. A beautiful soul, a young, young, vibrant thing. And I have to say that because they are the future. This little woman is so in touch with her reality. It's not even funny. I listen to, well, you know what? It is funny because I listen to her on her aunt's podcast, which is a funny podcast. I'm going to be on it already, but, um, she talks about embarrassing moments and she had her niece on it. And yes, I confess I'm a troll. You know, I binge listened to her podcast one weekend and I, I said, this one I have to get on my podcast. Her name is Mackenzie Campanelli. Campanelli. She is only 25, 24. And believe it or not, she already is doing things bigly. She's talking about the fact that she had depression. She is on medication. And she's not ashamed to say it. This podcast is being recorded on the week of the National Suicide Prevention Week. So there's no better week to talk about suicide, depression, sadness, the things that lead people to kill themselves. And there's no better person to talk about it. Please welcome Miss Mackenzie Campanelli to the building. Hi, Mackenzie. Hi. <laughs> Was that a good enough intro, Miss Vibrant oh thing? My, I'm practically crying. You're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. I love your oh spirit. My gosh. I told you that I love your heart. I love your spirit. I love who you are because you are in tune with reality. This is, this is just the world that we live in. When you look at social media, nothing is real on social media. 
Mm-hmm. But you, my dear, you dare to cross the threshold and take charge of your reality. And I love that. And so that being said, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? I know you're a wife. You're not a mom yet. You're a gardener. You're about to become a blogger. You're going to start your yeah. own podcast. I heard, hint, hint. Hopefully. And you like cooking, yes. you know? Uh, what a woman. What a cat. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I think a good place to start, honestly, could just go right off of your intro and what you just said about me. It's so funny. As someone who actively struggles with clinical depression, I think I, or we, I don't know who can relate out there. We don't look at ourselves the way others look at us. So when you say these nice things about me, I'm sitting here going, what? (laughs) That's me. What? And it's so funny because before, you know, I think I scheduled to do the podcast like two weeks ago. And because I was so flattered that you wanted to talk to me, uh-huh. and I only people. I don't know if your mom told you this. I'm, I think I don't know. I don't know a lot of podcasts. I know there are many, but I don't know a lot of podcasts like mine because uh-huh. I'm not only talking to lawyers or only talking to IT or only talking to doctors. I'm talking to everyone because suicide affect suicide affects everyone. And so mm-hmm. it, it, I'm not selective. If you have a story to tell and someone needs to hear it, I want to hear you. That's it. It's mm-hmm. very simple. It's not celebrated people. You know, all kinds of podcasts are out there and they have one particular niche. Well, my niche is about death and the fact that everyone is going to go through it, but maybe not prematurely, which is what suicide does. And so mm-hmm. I dare say, why not you? Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. I so appreciate that because I think, like I've said before, I always want to talk about things like this. Social media, I think, is an outlet for you to reach a lot of people on a certain topic. But I've always also felt like if I share this on social media, will people look at me like I'm looking for attention, like I'm faking, like I'm just kind of hopping on a a bandwagon that I don't think exists, but people who don't suffer might look at it and be like, oh, everybody's depressed. Oh, everybody has anxiety. It's like the cool thing to do. What? And mm. I, and when you don't struggle, I think it's easy to look at it like that, you know? Yeah. And I think when I first started to identify the struggles that I had as not just problems that I like have because I'm just me. I, you know, when I started to identify like, no, this is something more. This isn't just you because you suck as the person, like you're actually struggling with anxiety. I even said to myself, like, no, you're just trying to be like everybody else who, you know, thinks they have this and this, 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 and this. But when I kind of took a step back and looked deeper at a lifetime of never being able to enjoy family events because all I could focus on was death Mm. or hating myself Mm. from like seventh grade on Mm. because I thought I was fat or I thought, you know, I was ugly and not smart and all those kinds of things. Like I look at those things that have affected me my entire life and that I brought into, you know, my marriage and that I brought into college and that have been attached to every single accomplishment that I've made. It's like, I couldn't 
just leave it in the past. You know, when I got married, I couldn't just tell myself, somebody loves you unconditionally. Like they love the way you look. They love your personality. They love the way you talk. No, it was more, why does this person love me? Did I trick this person into feeling this way? Is his affection going to fade? Like, how did this happen? You know, um, and so is it you know, when I graduated, say, is it fair to say that you, you suffered from a major, major case of not enough syndrome? Cause that's what's going on. You're just not enough. You just don't think you're good enough. You're not pretty yeah. enough. You know, and, and we all have that by the way, but many, many of us just pretend, but we all have it. We all have it. Mm-hmm. And indeed, I was talking to the other guests about the fact that this gentleman's blog I was reading, he said love is not enough. He, was, he attempted suicide and he survived. And he said, if love were enough, we won't have any suicides, period. So love is not enough. In other words, I can't love you enough for you to want to stay. Because in the end, at that point when you're suicidal, you're not being selfish. If anything at all, you're feeling like a burden, one. And then number mm-hmm. two, you're so emotion, emotionally exhausted that you're thinking, you know what? I've exhausted everything that I can as an option. I don't have anything left in me. And this is the option right now. And oh, by the way, I have a weapon or a means. So mm-hmm. I hear you when you say that social media, you think, and indeed social media will judge but then eventually all of the non-authentic people will fall by the wayside because authenticity sells. I listen to your aunt's every episode of her podcast, but yours, I could tell you were authentic. In a, in, not only because I do talk about that, but also because of this, this freedom which you, you, you just shared it. I was like, you, you, didn't, you didn't hold back. Maybe because it was your aunt, I don't know. But you didn't hold back. And that's important for someone who is suffering right now to hear you that it's okay to not be okay it's just not okay to stay that way you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I think the reason I'm able to talk about it freely is because I finally did get help like for a really long time so I was living in North Carolina for two and a half years so I got married at 20 and when I got married I was already you know struggling with body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. and anxiety and just fear of failure. I think that's a major thing. I always struggle with this fear of failure because I already am in this mindset of I'm not good enough. So I'm destined to fail. And so it leads to that fear of failure. But so I was in North Carolina and I was going to school. I was getting really good grades. I was finishing my degree. I was being a wife. I had moved away from home at such a young age, which that's something else. Like I feel, I've always felt I haven't had the right to feel the way I feel about myself and about life because my life wasn't hard at home growing up. It's like my, I fought with my parents sometimes, but at the end of the day, like I didn't have a lot of friends at school. My parents were my friends. I was close with my siblings. No one ever hurt me. You know, it was, I've always felt like you have no reason to feel this way. Like there are people who go through so much worse and you haven't even been through bad. Like there are high school bullies, but I mean, it wasn't even as bad as some kids go through. And Mm -hmm. so what I started to notice is that it's a hundred percent me 
and my mind kind of attacking me. Thank you. you. I was really afraid to say that because last two weekends, (laughs) last two Sundays, my Facebook live was about the bully inside your head, evicting the bully inside, the one that lives there, that goes to bed with you, wakes up in the morning and tells you, yes, I'm still here and you're still not good enough. Mm -hmm. Most people think of bullying, they think of someone next door, some kid in school, which is true. That's external, that's physical or whatever, outside. But the worst one is the one that looks like you, talks like you, and is right then there with you at every moment. That's Mm -hmm. the one that is hard. Yeah. So I was living in North Carolina and like there were days I wouldn't, like I would skip school because I would get ready and I lived an hour from my school. So it was kind of easy to be like, Oh, I don't want to go, but I would get up early. I would get ready. And I would spend almost two hours putting on my makeup, doing my hair. And then if my eyeliner was uneven and I couldn't fix it, there were days I'd just be like, I can't go. And I would Mm. just sit and cry at home. And I'd be like, you're Mm. fat, Mm. you're ugly and Mm. you suck at makeup. Cause I love doing makeup. Like it's something fun, but I would just sit and just hate myself. And so after like my first year living in North Carolina, the first year I was cooking all the time. The house was always clean. I was going to school, taking care of my husband and still struggling with these things. But I had this other person to focus on, you know, and I had school and everything. And so I was kind of like hiding from myself in a way. And then I went on birth control because, you know, I would always have anxiety about getting pregnant. It was like, I couldn't just use conventional methods of preventing pregnancy. It was like, I would think myself so hard into like this idea that I was pregnant. I don't know what I'm going to do that. I would miss my period. And Mm -hmm. I would be like, well, I missed my period. I I'm pregnant. So that was never the case, but the anxiety was there. So I was like, okay, I'll go on birth control. And so of course I'm the type of person genetically who's predisposed to like weight gain side effects. And so over the course of 11 months between not getting a ton of exercise, eating really rich food and being on birth control, I gained like 70 pounds. Well, I got one for you. I gained 12 pounds in three months of birth control. So imagine if I had done it for a year. So I got myself off of it very fast, but I was there too. I I guess I'm the kind of person who gets the weight gain side effect, but I gained 12 pounds in three months. I was like, what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm telling myself, oh, you're just getting fat because you're lazy. Mm. You don't exercise. You're this, you're that. And So there came a time and I didn't even think to get my birth control out. I was just like, no, because if you do that, then it's not going to feel as good for your husband. And, Mm -hmm. and then you'll get pregnant and you'll be anxious all the time. And it wasn't focus on what's good for you. Get it out, take care of it. You know, it was different. And so I, I clearly remember this night we were just watching a movie or something. And I, and like, I married the most incredible man on the planet like wow if you like if you're lucky to find anyone who just can deal with someone like me and not judge them and just love them like it's 
it's incredible. So I'm sitting there and I, he has dealt with me every single day saying hateful things about myself, complaining all the time about how awful I am and not believing in myself and the list goes on. And we had been together two and a half years before we got married. This is another year in, you know, he's gone through this with me and I'm sitting there and I just uncontrollably started crying because when he was at work that day, I had, I was in the shower and all I could think about was like, he would be so much better off if I wasn't here. Like, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean like I should die because whenever I thought like that, I would think, oh, this would have such a horrible effect on my family. Family. I can't Mm. do that. You know, the anxiety of that kind of thing would come up. Mm. But I I just thought like, I I don't deserve him. He doesn't deserve someone who feels this way all the time. He doesn't deserve someone who can't get out of her own head and enjoy life with him. And so I just remember sitting there and just crying and saying like, I feel like such a burden to you. I feel like you would be so much better off without me. And I feel terrible that you're stuck. Like, I don't want you to feel stuck with me. I don't want you to feel like you got into this marriage with me and now it's completely different than you thought. And it's horrible. And just everything you could imagine, you know, trying to like, let him off the hook, I guess. And like we had gone through so much long distance and being so young and he's in the military and moves and all that kind of stuff. And of course I was taking care of him this whole time and we're taking care of each other and we go on trips together. But I, in that moment, I was just like, I am nothing like you deserve so much more. And of course, you know, he held me, told me that wasn't true, you know, told me, you know, he would be lost without me you know, and he even started crying because he, he said he hated seeing me feel that way. He's like, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, make you see yourself the way I see you because I don't look at you like this. And that was kind of a point for me where I was like, okay, this is 100% you. He's not hiding from you the fact that he doesn't want to be with you you know, he's not hiding. He doesn't have these hidden feelings that you think he has, you know? So, um, from that point, I kind of was able to identify when I was being a bully to myself. I think, you know, I still gained the weight. I still didn't get my birth control out. I still struggled, but I think it shifted more into just focusing on like, to hating my body and feeling inadequate in other ways, I guess. Well, but you see why it's called a bully? It's a bully mm-hmm. because, I mean, just by just the word bully is not something good. But the mm-hmm. fact that it's you bullying yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody's telling you. And that's why he said mm-hmm. love is even not enough. No matter how mm-hmm. much they tell you that this is not real, is a perception. Mm-hmm. And you're just convincing yourself. Like you're convincing yourself. Even if he would say, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, well, you have to say that because like, what else are you going to say? Exactly. There's always a counter. Wow. Yeah. Always, Mm. you know? And so I end up, so my last semester of college, I got straight A's and all through college, I 
told myself, well, you're just getting a business degree. Everybody gets a business oh degree. Oh my it's easy. God. Are like, you for real? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and mm. it's so funny to me now, like that's yes. why I wanted to talk to you too, is because I'm at a point where I can like laugh at talk these things now. or yeah. identify that I'm like, I needed help. So yeah. I would just tell myself, like, everybody does this. You're not special. Like, just you got a 4.0 as a wife with no family there and driving an hour to and from school. <laughs> I did, you know, I beat out a bunch of people for this semester long internship with this foreign company that I was like working with this teacher with. You know, I was accomplishing things and still I was telling myself, oh, well so-and-so, you know, because both my siblings, my sister's a nurse and my brother just graduated school and he's applying to medical schools right now. And they were both valedictorian of their high school. And I always just, I made myself feel like I was just kind of in the middle, adequate, didn't want to go into medicine, didn't want to do anything special or hard. You know, I always (laughs) told myself like I couldn't do hard things. My first two years of college, I avoided doing business because I was too scared to take calculus because math was always really hard for me. And I just, I always struggled. And it wasn't until I moved to North Carolina that I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I'll do business. I'll suffer through calculus. It'll be fine. I ended up getting like an A minus or a B. It wasn't that hard, but I didn't tell myself like, oh my gosh, you're capable of hard things. Go you. It was more just like, yeah, it was more just like, you know, Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every day, you yeah. know, it's, it's nothing. Can you believe that? Mm. I yeah. So I graduated, and then like ten days later, we moved to Utah. And even after my graduation, I didn't tell myself like, "Holy crap! You just got a college degree!" Like that time went by so fast, and you killed it, and you did this, 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 and this. It was more just like okay, it's over. What's next? You know, like there was no self celebration. It was more just like, okay, well, this is what you were supposed to do. Like you did something anybody can do, you know, good, good for you. And so we moved to Utah and I, and before this, right. Like a month before that, I got my hormonal birth control out because I had an IUD and I got the copper one put in, which is non-hormonal. Cause I was like, okay, I don't like all this weight gain. Um, I'm going to try and switch it up. Of course, I didn't say I want to go back to no birth control because it makes me feel better. Um, So I got this copper thing put in and it worked for a while. It just, you know, you know, the side effects, it horrible pain, heavy, 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 heavy periods, never feeling quite a hundred percent. So anyway, you're speaking to a woman who just had a hysterectomy a month ago. So, oh my God! Yeah, for the same reason. <laughs> so I'm telling oh. you, girl, it is the struggle is real. This is real. Right before I moved, um, my mom had a hysterectomy, so she had had really horrible bleeding. So she found out that the fibroid that the doctor thought was just a fibroid was actually cancer. And so she had had just her uterus removed, and then she had to go back six weeks later after she fully recovered to get her ovaries taken out. And then she had to go on, you know, the medication for, you know, hormone blockers and all that kind of stuff. So at this time when she had her second surgery, I think I moved like right after she found out she had cancer, I think. So 
it was, and she's fine now. Like she has been cancer free for, I think three years. Luckily it didn't, you know, go outside of her uterus. It was contained. And so we're so lucky. Um, so that was something else that like every time I saw my mom or even now I, it adds to that anxiety of like, what if this is the last time I see you? See her. Yes. And my mom, she's struggled from clinical depression, like crippling depression for years and years. And so that made her life really crappy. Um, and so because I'm the kind of person who doesn't really love herself first, she loves others first. Um, I just would think about like, I still, you know, I just think about my mom's situation so hard. And so you know, she's struggling, then I feel it. Or if she and my dad are fighting, I feel it. You know, yes. it's like, I tell my husband, you know, I hate when there's any kind of, you know, not perfect situation, I guess, because like, I want my family to be happy and I want them to be healthy. And, you know, I, I guess for a while there, I valued them 100% over myself. Oh. And so it was always like, if I were to disappear, it wouldn't affect me. It would, it'd be like, you can't do that because you'd hurt someone, you know, it, it was always like that. So anyway, so we moved to Utah and I was seeing the doctor, I think, oh no, I started having chest pains after, um, we left North Carolina and I didn't know why. And for a few months here, I was like, I think they're going to go away. But then I would feel it all the time. And I was convincing myself that I was dying. I was having a heart attack, Hmm. whatever. And it just ended up being like inflammation of the cartilage, not a big deal. But at that appointment on a whim, I wasn't even planning on talking to my doctor about this because I was like scared and I didn't know him. I said, he's like, is there anything else you want to talk about? And I almost said, Nope, I'm good. (laughs) But I finally just said, yes, I have been struggling with this, 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 this is mm. long list. And I'm in this stranger's office and I'm crying mm. <laughs> just like, and I'm wondering if there's anything you can do to help me because part of me is like, well, he's going to think you're just looking for drugs. And you know, if you ask him straight up for medication, he's just going to be like, no, you're not there yet. Um, as I was telling myself and it's great because he didn't know me and he didn't say anything like that. He's, I told him, you know, I know people have tried Lexapro before and they were low side effects and it really helped them. He was like, okay. He's like, yeah, let's start you on 10 milligrams. And Amen. yeah. And I was just really grateful. He was so kind. Um, and he's still like, he's still a doctor I go to here, but he was just so like, okay. Yeah. Like he'd heard it a million times before. It wasn't like, Oh, you know, you know that many, many people wish to have a doctor just like that. Like Mm -hmm. just someone who would just not judge them, whether Mm -hmm. they're LGBT or they're depressed, suicidal, or they're perfectionist, whatever. They just want someone to just not necessarily brush it off, but it's like not make you feel, Oh my God. Like, you yeah. Know, just like, okay, you have a headache. Sure. You know, where does it hurt or whatever? Just continue because it takes a lot for most people to come up and say that they're hurting or say that they need help. And so this is good for people at the back to hear that indeed when someone does muster up the courage to come to you 
what you do, what you say, can de determine if they ever come back or never come back. Mm -hmm. Or if that's that what pushes them over the edge. Over you the know? edge. Well, that's what I mean by never come back. Physically, yeah. or also never come back. Never come back. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, very, it's very delicate, but you have to be very prudent. And sometimes people need multiple therapists before they get the right therapist that works for them. And that's mm -hmm. okay too. Mm -hmm. okay. I, I felt really lucky because he's just my primary care physician. He didn't say, well, you need to talk to a therapist. You know, he didn't say anything like that. And I was expecting not how he acted because, you know, I had a friend who went to like a counseling session because she was struggling you know, and this was in North Carolina and mm -hmm. the doctor, like it was their first counseling lesson. And she's like, well, you need to be on medication. And she was like, I'm just, I'm just here to talk to you. Like it can go either way, you know? Yes. Yes. And if you're not ready for medication at that time, then you're not ready. And some of my patients have to ask myself, so there are three things we can do. We can do medications, we can do counseling, and we can make sure that you have the right support structure. Where do you want to start? Mm-hmm. And she, like, she was just having a hard time in school. Yeah. She just wanted to, like, talk to somebody about it. Yes. And my experience before that with going to the doctor on my own, it just always seemed like doctors were so condescending. Like, when I got my birth control in the first time, I went with my husband, and it was on Camp Lejeune. And she told me, because I was saying, you know, I wanted to know the IUD options. And she told me the options and the horrible side effects and how um, abstinence was the only way to prevent pregnancy. What? Yeah. Well, my husband's sitting right there and she said, you know, she's talking about Nexplanon or no, she's talking about Paragard, the one that I had. And she's like, if you come back and complain that you just don't like the bleeding, I'm not going to take it out because you knew that that was one of the side effects. Oh my God. And she wasn't even a doctor. She was, I think she was a nurse practitioner, which I don't think every nurse practitioner is like that, but it was just very uncomfortable. And she was talking about how I could get STDs if my husband, who's sitting right oh there, my God. went Don't and cheated on me Don't if he was deployed. It. Yeah. And so then she's just, she left the room and I kind of looked at Joe and I was like, let's go. And I didn't do that uh -huh. <laughs> because the insurance was only going to cover this so if I did days. it there. And yeah. so I was like, cause I'm like, okay, maybe not next go, but let's something, something go, but mm -hmm. we're going and you can fill in the blanks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Oh and my so, word. Yeah. That's where we get a bad rap. That's where doctors get about it. Cause they dump all of us together in one. Like we're all doctors to them, mm -hmm. to those who don't know any different. And it's like, uh, what? Yeah. And it was awful. It was, it's kind of like one of those moments where if I could go back in time and change one single decision, <laughs> it would have been to not get the IUD. But after I started my medication, that's when I deleted all my social media. I just, I had like whatever followers I deleted it. I was like, Smart I'm gonna, woman. I was like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And it was so hard because I'm so addicted to my phone because I wasn't allowed to have social media growing up. So it's like, I'd find myself picking up my phone, just like opening it to go on Instagram. And I was like, mm. I don't have Instagram anymore. Wow. And so that's, it started with that. powerful because if I could get more people to take a break just one day, hey, if I can get myself to get to take a break for one day off mm -hmm. of social media, I'll be so much smarter. I just know it. 
I yeah. just know it. <laughs> I just know yeah. It. So I deleted that and then we adopted a cat and it was so funny because I had said to my husband, I want to adopt a cat. Let's go to the Humane Society. Let's get a cat. And so we went and looked and we went late. So we couldn't adopt it that day or him. Mm-hmm. And that night we're sitting at the table and I'm, I can just feel my anxiety. I'm like, honey, we shouldn't do this. We can't have a cat. Like it's not going to work out. Like what if he tears up the house? What if he pees? Like we can't do this. Like it's too much responsibility. And Joe completely was like, it's going to be okay. Mm. It's just a cat. Like it's okay. It'll be good for you. He's like, it'll be good to have something to take care of, you know? And so we go and we adopt Henry, our cat. And what's funny is I've always had like really deep connections with the cats in my life. And so with him, it didn't start, it wasn't really like that. I was like, okay, he was a nice cat at the shelter. We got him three weeks later. We went back and adopted the cat he was surrendered with because they knew each other and he was such a sweetheart. Now we had George. (laughs) And so they were like close with each other. Everything was fine, but, and like, I love them, but they weren't super snuggly and sweet and all that kind of stuff. So that helped me focus on something else. It added extra love to our home. I didn't have social media. I had lost a couple pounds and then we started our garden, which was super fun. It, you know, helped me focus on new life and all this kind of stuff. And for a while I was feeling so good. I was like, I can take on the world. Like I'm so good. And part of me was like feeling good because I had finally done something about my depression. And then that, I think that kind of fueled it. It it wasn't, I don't want anyone listening to this to think, well, she took a pill and it just made her feel so good. Like it'll, it'll do it for me. It was the mindset. I think I'm finally doing good things. Like I'm taking steps toward good things, but you know, you can't, I don't know. You can't like, adopt a cat every single day or start a garden every single day, you know? So for like a week I or think two. I was, was going to mention, I think the, the truth is hopefully most people know this. It doesn't take a day or two or even a week or two for the medicine to kick in. And that is why it's not just the medicine it's the support structure is a lifestyle changes if any, if, if needed, it's the um, therapy Mm-hmm. which is also important and all of that. I did therapy for a few weeks and it worked to me better than the medication because I had bad side effects on the medication, but mm-hmm. everyone is different. Everyone's mindset is different. Everyone's experience is different. And so, but I think what I love about you is that you were open to medication. You were open to doing something, to getting help. And that ultimately is what I want people to know that there's help, you got to reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, I love your husband. I haven't even met him, but he knows you so well. And mm-hmm. that's an important element. Supportive spouse, mm-hmm. supportive family members, supportive friends, mm-hmm. you know. So, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't always so open to it. For the years leading up to it where I was really struggling, I would say, you know, because I think there's also a stigma about how 
you know, you don't talk about if you're on medication. Are you telling because, me this? <laughs> I know this. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it makes you look weak or so-and-so is on medication, but don't tell anybody. They don't yes. want anyone to know. And so I just told Joe, I was like, well, I don't want to have to depend on this. I don't want to have to do this. So anyone who's listening, please also don't think that I was just like, I'm feeling depressed. I'm going to go get help. It yes. wasn't like that. It, it was, was a definitely, journey. it was not it was, a straight line. It was, it was very, yeah. So after, you know, about two weeks, I started feeling like my old self and I was like, what is happening? I'm having days where I'm feeling kind of depressed. I'm having days where I'm feeling kind of anxious. Why? And it's important to know that the medicine isn't just like a fix everything pill. You know, it helps your brain kind of rebalance, but you're still yourself. And so I was facing again, the person who constantly beat me up the person who you know constantly told me that I wasn't good enough who whose name happens to be Mackenzie <laughs> exactly <laughs> I was facing that girl again um and but I think what was different because I talked to my mom I talked to my sister what's different is that you know you realize okay this isn't going to fix everything you're allowed to have these days but realize that there's a reason you're on medication. Realize that it is your brain beating you up and that it's not true, you know? It's not true. It's not true. Mm -hmm. I can't say that enough. Yeah, it's it's not true. And it's amazing how good I am at telling myself lies. Like just last night, I told my husband I was going upstairs to take a shower. This, I'm, I'm not even making this up. And I've been working on, you know, getting my website going and I bought some photography equipment. And two days ago, I was so excited about my photography equipment. I was like, my pictures are going to be so good. Like, this is going to be awesome. I have all these good ideas. And I was so stoked. And I'm the kind of person who will be like this or celebrate themselves for a minute and then be like, oh, it's nothing. Oh, you suck. Oh, you're going to fail. So so, you mind my asking, do you therefore maybe have a diagnosis of bipolar disorder? No, I don't think so. It's just depression. Yeah. It's more just like complete lack of belief in oneself and where I might celebrate a friend who is wanting to get into the things that I want to get into. And I would celebrate them for like buying the equipment or cause I bought the equipment with a bonus I got from work. You know, it, it, it wasn't looked at like, oh, you kicked butt. And so you can get this and you can accomplish whatever. And you're going to do so on your website. It was more like five minutes of celebration. And then, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. I'm going to fail. Like no one's going to see what I'm doing. All sorts of stuff. Just listening to you. You're so young. You're probably my second youngest person that I've interviewed. My first youngest was my niece who's 20. Mm. Second youngest was my son, who's 21. My bad, you're the third youngest. But every time I talk to the younger people, I learn so much more. Just getting into the mind of a millennial. And of course, they're, I think, Gen Z. I think my son barely made it into the millennial thing, maybe. But just the fact that you all have a different, like you said something about, I didn't have social media growing up. Mm -hmm. That phrase is so powerful because there was no social media when I was, growing up here, but there was for you, but you didn't have it. But you see how your life 
growing up had social media in inside of it as your narrative, whether it was present in your ears or not, but it was part of your narrative. What do you think the effect of social media for other people like you? Because it's harder for me. It's like, oh, you're a doctor. Of course, you're going to have to say that. But you are not a doctor. You don't have anything to quote, quote, quote unquote, win or lose. What do you think about the effect of social media on our youth? And I know the answer. But what do you think? Coming from, from the people that we talk about. What do you think? I think... Well, I think it depends on who you are, obviously, because if you're a really strong, confident person, it might not affect you the same way. But I think it allows you to completely, or it takes away subconsciously without you knowing your sense of self. It takes away, you know, any kind of wholeness on how you look at yourself. You don't look at your, it doesn't make you look at yourself like, I'm so great too and good for these people. Good. You know, it makes you go, well, I kind of suck because I can't afford to travel. I kind of suck because I don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Yes. I kind of suck because I'm not as pretty as that girl in that picture. Yes. And so all of a sudden, you're not going, oh my gosh, that's a great picture. Good for her. It makes me want to post a great picture and share all of the stuff. It's more, well, I don't want to share anything because I don't look like that. Exactly. And look at all the followers she has and look at all the likes she has and no one's going to like me on this or look at that guy, you know, look how fit he is or look how whatever and look at his girlfriend or, you know, I think especially for teenagers, you know, they see kids posting stuff on social media or they look at these celebrity kids who have all this money and all this privilege. And you're, I think that aids the idea that you're never going to be good enough because all you're seeing is staged moments. Nothing is authentic. You're so smart. So intuitive. All you (laughs) see is staged moments Powerful words from a child, from the mouth of babes. All you see is stage moments. I bet you didn't even think, girl, take me to your leader. You know, I love it. (laughs) What's funny is I didn't look at social media like that until after I deleted everything. I was, my brain was just a slave to social media. I would scroll and I would just be like, oh, so-and-so is doing this and I'm sitting at home you know, so-and-so is losing weight and I'm not, or, or, you know, I would see people get married and I would feel jealous. I would be like, oh, their, their love is so perfect. And like, so, you know, cause I've been married for four plus years now. It's like, you know, our marriage isn't the same as it was on the day we got married. You know, it's different. It's not brand new. And and that's fine. We've, I've learned that that's fine. But I would see these people, I would be jealous of engagements and I would be jealous of <sighs> weddings. And I'd be like, I have this. Like, I see, already I, have I, this. You see, that's what I said about you having great insights. Because what you've done is you've, you've, played, you've laid it all out. That's exactly what I am going through. My, the next person is going through. All of us are going through. So you have made me realize that I'm going to take a break from social media. 
not not in a bad way, but I do need that too. Mm-hmm. No, I am accomplished pediatrician. Oh my God, 30 years coming on, great podcast, all of that. But I am just like you. I'm still a slave to not enough likes and not enough mm-hmm. shares or not enough whatever. Yeah. And so we are slowly all becoming slaves indeed. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a powerful Even- thing. Thank you. <laughs> do you have any do you have any favorite quotes or favorite book or favorite podcast? Hint, hint. Or favorite- <laughs> <laughs> uh, well considering I just can't see you, but but she was I know the can't I can't I can't reenact that. You're like this, you're like, yeah. <laughs> considering I'm only subscribed to two Dude, podcasts. <laughs> Yours and my aunt's are really close. <laughs> oh, but it's, um, I won't be upset if you tell me your favorite podcast is, is a certain podcast called Fancy Free. <laughs> I hope your mom, your aunt can hear that. Oh, it. that's so funny. No. But any favorite quotes and um, what do you do to keep you grounded? You're so young, yet you've got so much going for you. What do you do to, to help you stay connected with self? When the voice, a.k.a. Mackenzie, Campanelli is not saying all the bad things. What do you do? I honestly, so music is a huge part of my life. And so I, I can't play anything. I can't read music or anything like that, but I listen to a lot of music, you know, and even if I'm feeling sad, I might indulge myself in like sad songs and just get the tears out. I love it. (laughs) Like, like last night when I went up to take a shower and I put my husband's pillow over my face and I just sat there and cried and that, you know, usually I'll do that. I'll keep it to myself. And then five minutes later, I just talk to my husband or I'll talk usually to my husband. I think it's really important to have people, whether you you feel completely alone in the world, call a hotline, mm-hmm. talk to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, the majority of joy in my life comes from the relationships that I have with my family members. And so I'll just tell my husband, I'm feeling like a nothing right now. And like last night I came down and I sat down, he's watching a movie and I was like, um, so I didn't shower. I went up and cried. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what, what's going on? And so he came over and sat down next to me and I said, I was, you know, feeling a certain way. I said, I was feeling nervous about doing this podcast because I can't oh. tell you how many times I thought about being like, nope, can't do it. Oh my word, Mackenzie. <laughs> I would have come up to Utah with you. <laughs> that from you. Uh, so um, I, yeah, I was feeling nervous about that. But, I was, but do you think your nervousness was realized? I mean, now that you've seen my mind. Oh, I'm so glad I, I, I'm so glad we're talking because like I said, I have things I want to share, but I can't, I need to not be afraid to do it. So I said to Joe, I was like, I know I need to do it. It's conquering some kind of fear. It's good, you know? And I told him, you know, I've just been feeling like I'm never going to amount to anything and blah, blah, blah. And it, it's never like a cry for him to compliment me, but he, Mm. he looked at me and he's like, you are. And I'm so lucky to have you. And I immediately, the tears again, I was like, <laughs> I covered my face. I was like, don't look at me. Oh, wow. But oh, so wow. I talk, I talk to him when I struggle. Um, mm-hmm. But favorite quote, I feel like there's really too many. 
And you well, don't have to have one. Well, there's one by the Lumineers it's from a song that they sing. And he said, it's better to feel pain than nothing at all. The opposite of love is indifference. Oh, wow. And awful. Yeah. And I don't know. I really like that one because I don't, I've been at a place where I felt indifferent about myself. And I've just kind of been like, well, you could stay or you could go. It's not going to matter, you know. Um, and I just kind of realized. Have you ever therefore been suicidal? I don't think so. I, it's more just, it's more just been. Feelings of worthlessness. Feelings of like worthlessness and everyone in my life would be better off if I didn't exist. Not, not so much. You know that that, is, like, that is the definition of suicidal thoughts in as many words by mackenzie.com you do realize <laughs> no for real and and you may not you may collectively not have thought about it that way but again like i said at the very beginning i mean you have so much to tell to be so young and just to be insightful maybe you haven't organized your thoughts together for that killer podcast you're going to have but i just know it's going to it's going to be awesome and i want to i'm well i'm telling myself to be a guest on it because i can't <laughs> But also because I want you to know that those are suicidal thoughts. And it's good that you didn't have a plan, which is the next level up. You didn't have a behavior, which is the next level up. Mm-hmm. So you have the thoughts, and you have the plan. Then you have to, in other words, you start acting and carrying out the plan. So mm-hmm. this is good. And it's beautiful that you didn't even recognize it at that. I do think a little bit of therapy won't hurt you, my dear. <laughs> but um, certainly... Certainly, I appreciate you coming on. And if you, if you hadn't been able to come on, I wouldn't have remembered that you were Joanne's niece. But, but I'm glad you did. And thank you for doing it. Okay? Yeah. That's no, one. And then number two, do you have any, because I want you to come back. I want you to, we didn't really settle in deeper into your teen years. We kind of skipped them. And mm-hmm. I know a majority of, my avatar, which is uh, parents of teens. Of course, everyone, but parents of teens more so. I would like for you to come back. Please schedule another date to come back. And let's talk about your teen years in a little bit more details. But for now, do you have any parting words for the yeah. young people that listen? Parting words, all their parents. So I think I, I did skip a lot of my teen years. because that's what. Yeah, that's when yeah, I. Think. I didn't want to say anything because I was like, "Does she think she's slick?" Oh, I'm gonna show. Oh no, <laughs> I'm I'm more just I'm bad at organizing my thoughts. I and think. I'm like and that so, too. I just go everywhere and then I. Was yeah, like, so it's kind of like, oh, I felt these things, but we didn't talk about why I felt that way. Mm-hmm. It it really is rooted in those years, but something I realized maybe a year or so ago is in high school when I was young. I was smart. I was an athlete. I was beautiful. Now that, you know, not to sound cocky now, but looking back, it's like as someone who hated themselves, I can look back now and be like, nope, you were beautiful. Um, I had a great family and everything, and I hated myself. I would cry myself to sleep. I would cry over not being able to put an outfit together that I thought would look good. I told myself 
you know, cause people weren't nice, but I mean, I told myself that everyone hated me, that people were talking about me behind my back, which they did, that I was fat yeah. Yeah. and I hated myself. And that was at 145 pounds and strong and athletic and, and everything going. Yes. And now, you know, I've been through like, I think the worst of it of, you know, growing up and feeling worthless and like those feelings carrying over. But now when I talked about the single worst decision I ever made was having that birth control put in. I also think it's one of the biggest blessings in my life because yes, I gained a lot of weight, but if that hadn't happened, I don't mixed with like going on medication, getting the cats moving, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if that hadn't happened, I don't think I ever would have been able to look at myself and say like, nope, you're enough. You know, like, because now I'm 70 pounds heavier and happier than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not because obviously of how much I weigh. It's not because of how I look. It's not because of any of those things that I thought defined me when I was younger. It is because of the life that I'm living in spite of how I used to feel about myself. Amen. Amen. You know, it's about who I'm with. It's not about having a million friends. It's not about, you know, trying to please everybody. It's about putting things in my life and doing things for my life that make my life good. Amen. And so if you're young, if you're the parent of younger kids, like I tell my cousins who are in high school now, when they complain about, you know, how kids only communicate with Snapchat or they've gained a couple pounds or, you know, they don't have a ton of friends. I say, delete Snapchat. If someone wants to talk to you, they'll talk to you in person. You know, in 10 years, in five years, whatever five pounds you gained isn't going to matter. Doesn't matter. Wow. Don't, don't have, don't even strive. Those even those yeah. friends would not matter. Yeah. Don't strive to have, be friends with the whole school like find one or two good friends. And if you can't do that, you've got your sister, you've got your parents, you've got me. Like those are the people who are going to be constants in your life. Not Mm -hmm. like these fleeting moments in high school aren't going to matter. These fleeting people who come in and out of your life aren't going to matter. Like what matters is how you feel about you and that you are adding and subtracting things to and from your life that are either not healthy or that add goodness to it. Right. That's right. Wow. What powerful words. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it. You heard Miss Mackenzie, the young, just, I call her vibrant because I can't think of any other word to use to describe her. Just a young, upcoming brain. And I love it because she's going to go places. She's going to do things bigly. That's all I have to say. So thank you so much for joining us. Do you suddenly swear? that you're going to come back for part two of this. Yes. yes. I, I'll I schedule it. it right now. <laughs> and, and, and to think that you almost missed out on that, and I would have missed that, and the whole world would have missed out on the beautiful soul that you are thank if you had you. chickened out and listened to Mackenzie. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming, no, truly from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for sharing the little bit that you could. I, I tend to, just for your FYI, I tend to write stuff down. You know what I do? I write all my thoughts in and then I lose my, <laughs> <laughs> then I lose my cheat sheet. 
<laughs> so I'm just like you, but indeed, it has been a blessing listening to you this afternoon. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. I do know that people will learn from you. All of the scatteredness, because I'm like, I'm a scatterbrain. I'm like that. You ask yeah. me one thing, and then after like 10 minutes, I'm like, when yeah. I, said, when I said something that made sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're twins. I don't know, 50 years apart, but amazing, amazing little little child that you are. And I just appreciate you this afternoon. And tell Dr. JJ that I said, thank you for sharing your niece. If y'all are wondering what the podcast is, it's called Fancy Free. You see her aunt with a bird on top of her head and the rest is history. It's about people who have had embarrassing moments and coming to share. And Mackenzie had so many that she <laughs> got two episodes of the podcast just by herself. <laughs> the kind of person that she's has no trouble saying stuff about who she is and sharing because there is always someone out there who needs your story no matter how whack it is someone who needs your story and so i say tell it mackenzie campanelli thank you so much for writing on our pages god bless you for having me you too out peace